Well, hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Harbor Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Harbor. All right, good evening. You guys doing good tonight? Glad to be here. I love it. Glad you're here, Clayton. Hey, so uh, really excited y'all are here. Um, and uh, man, it's already been such an awesome night. Um, uh, how, how like welcoming was Christina? Like, didn't you feel so welcome as she hosted? That was incredible. Um, and then also, man, worship was awesome this evening. Can we clap our hands and thank God for the, the band that led us tonight? So good. Hey, just to jump on uh, what Christina said, I, I too am extremely excited about the Jamaica missions trip, really pumped about it. And uh, if, you, if you want information tonight, there is information at the Connect Bar. You can actually pick up a little packet. And then as Christina said, we will actually have an interest meeting after the harbor uh, in two weeks. No commitment required to come through the interest meeting. You don't have to sign your name in blood or anything. You can just roll out to it. Sound good? Awesome. So uh, we are in a series right now called Controversial Jesus. And the idea of this series is that we want to answer some of the questions that people are asking in 2020. There's a lot of things that people are wondering about as far as um, even how to be a, uh, a Christian, how to have a relationship with God in 2020. And so we want to really answer some of those questions. And tonight we are talking about a very intense subject. The subject tonight or the title tonight is Jesus and politics. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, you can get excited about that. And I'm very excited because it's not just me up here, obviously, but I have um, the love of my wife, the love of my life, my wife, hey, and also my baby mama. Come on, somebody. Uh, Katie. So give it up for Katie. Katie, thank you for being up here tonight. Are you excited? Awesome. So uh, why don't you just kind of like share, because obviously uh, we've been talking about this uh, subject for a little bit, and you were excited to not only uh, have it happen at the harbor, but you wanted to jump on and teach on it. So why do we need to discuss this topic, and then why are you excited to teach about it? For sure. Well, um, first of all, just a little bit about myself. For those of you that don't know, I'm very into politics. <laughs> I feel like that's a very like not pastor's wife thing to say, <laughs> but I like really, I really enjoy politics. I think it's really fascinating. I teach history. I have for the last nine years. Um, and so I teach uh, advanced placement U.S. history. And so I, I get, you know, there's a lot of politics and government that goes into that. Um, and so I, I've always just been really fascinated by it. But as I've like gotten older, obviously, um, I've kind of noticed that in the world of Christians, um, people tend to go one of two ways with it. We kind of have these two extremes where the first extreme is like Christians make politics like their idol, right? And it's like, oh my gosh, like this is the most important thing in the world. They go a little bit crazy with it. Um, and then there's the other extreme of people who are like, I'm out, <laughs> like I'm just gonna completely disengage um, and I just don't, you know, Jesus is my Lord and I don't care, you know? And so <laughs> we kind of have these two extremes. Um, and in my opinion, I, I, I think both of them are wrong um, because ultimately Jesus is our hope 
and not politics, right? And so he should be the one that we're looking to and not political ideas. Um, but then also like we have been called to be salt and light in this world that we live in. And so that includes the political realm. So I do think that we need to be engaged with it um, to some extent. So I guess the, the question is how do we do that in a healthy way? Yeah, that's, that's a great setup. And you know, tonight uh, we are obviously in the middle of 2020 and uh, it's going to be a crazy year, in case you didn't know, it's an election year. And uh, so that's gonna, like, we're about to enter into the craziness of it. Um, even we pretty much already have. Um, this week, we had uh, two of our esteemed politicians, one of whom snubbed the other on a handshake, the other of whom ripped up the person's speech after it was done, right? And so, like, it's already this week, like, it's intense. Like, things are, things are happening. And so I think we have to ask, as Katie said, like, since we are called to live as salt and light, how do we as Christians operate in this political space? And so, Katie, why don't you kind of walk through tonight, like, sort of where we're going to go and the direction we're headed? Yeah, so we kind of, um, as we were planning this, we kind of figured that we would hit on three uh, main points for the night. Um, the first one is looking at scripture and politics. So like, what does the Bible have to say about this? Um, and obviously that's super important. Um, and the second one, we're going to look at kind of how do we as Christians in 21st century America, we live in a republic, how do we follow Jesus in this setting um, in 2020? And then finally, what can we all agree on as believers when it comes to politics? So those are kind of the three main points that we're going to hit on. Awesome. So uh, before we dive into the text and really look at scripture and politics, um, Katie, I'm going to ask you just if you would take a moment and just pray over our time tonight and ask God to speak to us. Okay. Father God, Lord, we just come before you right now and God, I'm nervous because <laughs> uh, this is a topic that's that's very um, difficult and emotional and, um, and and important. And so, Father, I just pray that you would give us wisdom, that you would give me wisdom, Lord, um, that, that we would just say what you would have us to say, what you want to say to your people um, so that we can be a witness for you um, in this crazy year that we're in. Um, so, Lord, we just love you, and we want to bring you glory tonight in your name. Amen. 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 Um, by the way, didn't say it earlier, but if you are new, I'm just really glad that you're here with us and uh, you've definitely picked a, a fascinating night to jump in. But I do sincerely hope that you feel welcome here. Um, we always say that you don't have to believe what we believe to feel welcome. And I'm very thankful that you've rolled out tonight. And I hope that um, not only uh, God speaks to you, but I also hope that you experience the love of the people of God while you're here. So the first thing we're going to look at tonight is scripture and politics. And I'd like to read um, a section from uh, the Gospel of Mark. Um, it's up on the screen, and you can check it out with me. And it says this, um, They sent to him, him being Jesus, some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians, these were two uh, religious parties, to trap him in his talk. And they came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are true and that you do not care about anyone's opinion. For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? Now, what's happening here is that Jesus is in the middle of his ministry here on this earth, and he's gaining popularity, and some of the religious leaders ask him a question that was a very polarizing question at the time. 
And really this question was actually seeking to trap Jesus because no matter which way he answered it, A or B, he was going to make somebody mad. Does that sound a little bit like maybe a question we might get asked here in America today, right? Like it's a question like, okay, here's the deal. Like if you say we should pay taxes to Caesar, then you're going to really upset this group of people that doesn't agree with Caesar's policies. But if you say we shouldn't, then you're going to upset sort of the rule and reign at the time. But listen, look at this. So Jesus, knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why put me to this test? Test, bring me a Daenerys and let me look at it. Now, a Daenerys was a coin that was about one day's wage. So maybe he says, bring me a 20 or bring me a $50 bill. And they bought one, they brought one. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar. So Caesar, the ruler at the time, he had his inscription, his face on the coin. And Jesus said to him, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. And they marveled at him. So, so I think it's really important to see here that Jesus who said this is the creator of the universe and he rules everything. So he could have taken that moment to make a statement about his own power and how really Caesar didn't have any authority. But he didn't do that. And, and there will be a time when Jesus returns to the earth and when he actually establishes his kingdom, and there's not going to be another government. It says that at that time, the government will be on his shoulders. But for now, Jesus has actually chosen, and with this statement, he says, here's what's happening. My kingdom is going to run parallel to the governments and to the established authority structures in the world. And so he's not looking for an overthrow. He's not looking for a top-down change of everything. But Jesus' plan is this grassroots movement that changes from the inside out. And here's the thing. It actually worked. Because 2,000 years later, Rome is no longer an empire. Caesar is a salad dressing. And the gospel is now at the ends of the earth. Right. So, I mean, with this idea, Jesus is establishing the idea that um, government in and of itself is not inherently evil. Um, it's something that he has set up. Um, now, that doesn't mean that we have to agree with everything the government does. And especially in 21st century America, we have the ability to vote um, and, and vote for elected officials that we feel like represent um, our ideals, and we should do that. Um, but Jesus is establishing the fact that we need to honor those who are in authority above us. Um, and so just in a practical way, like in my classroom with my students, whenever we're talking about politics or whatever, um, I always, <laughs> I force them. No, I, I tell them they have to refer to the president as President so-and-so. Um, I did this when President Obama was president and President Trump um, because I believe that that's a, that's a title of honor, right? And that's a way that we can give honor um, where honor is due. Yeah, that's so good. We're gonna look at one more scripture here and look at what it says. And it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, Peter is writing to a group of Christians in Rome and under the Roman rule. And he says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or governors as sent by God or so, governors as sent by the emperor, by him to punish those who do evil 
and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put silence the ignorant of foolish people. Live as a people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. And listen to this, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. Yeah, that last line, honor the emperor, um, that's really foreign to us, I think, as um, Americans, we don't really have a, a concept of, of an emperor um, at this point in history. Um, we have a president, which is like kind of the closest thing that we have to, to that figure, but he is subject to a system of checks and balances, right? Um, and so he's not all powerful, cannot do whatever he wants. Um, but Rome at this time, the emperor of the Roman empire um, was was all powerful right he had complete control over every single subject and rome had had literally gone around and like conquered the entire known world um, violently, right? And, and, and established um, a rule that many saw as incredibly evil and oppressive. Um, so if uh, Peter was saying, you know, honor the emperor, like that, that was a massive like worldview shift um, for the people that were hearing it. And um, if, if they were called to, to honor the emperor, that was in many ways very evil and oppressive. Um, how much more are we called to honor our officials um, in our situation today. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's such a great point that, that man, that, that is our call is to uh, operate with honor in our hearts towards uh, the political party. But, but here is a question. Um, obviously you said that Rome is this dictatorship with a totalitarian dictator and an emperor. Um, so in a sense, uh, maybe it wasn't as fun to honor him, but it was very clear because they didn't really have a say. They weren't like, hey, let me vote out Caesar. Like Caesar was who it was. Today in 21st century America, we have a little bit more complexity because obviously we have a democracy. And so as Christians, we're called to honor the system that's in place. I'm supposed to say that it's a republic, not a democracy. Sorry, I apologize. Um, no, it's cool. Um, <laughs> but like, so in, in, the tw in, in the US in 2020, how do we operate uh, in, in that way? And this is kind of where we're gonna transition and look at the po second point, which is this idea of Christians in the United States today. What, what are we supposed to do? Yeah, for sure. So we're, we're not in Rome, right? We, we have a very different situation. So I, I want to kind of like nerd out for a second <laughs> um, and just kind of give you like maybe a little bit of the history of the political system in the United States and how we got to this situation that we are in. Um, so originally at the very beginning of the country, there were no political parties. Um, and George Washington actually very famously in his farewell address as he was leaving the office of the president, he said um, he, he warned against political factions um, because he said that it was going to divide the country um, and he was very fearful of that and unfortunately in many ways uh, I think that's what we're seeing today um, but so even though he warned against it very early on um, with with the uh, next presidency and, and so on um, there were two parties that emerged um, they were called the Federalists and the Democratic Republicans um, so Democratic Republicans were one party um, in the beginning and the major things that divided them were honestly um, economic policy and whether or not we should support Britain or France in the Napoleonic Wars. Um, so it had nothing to do with- Hard hitting um, stuff. Yeah, real, real intense. So it had nothing to do with like 
morals or like Christianity or like anything like that. Um, and so anyways, those are the first two parties and they kind of developed and they changed over time and I can get real nitty gritty with the details, which, you know, I'm sure none of you want to hear, but if you want to know, you can come ask me later. Um, but anyway, so they, they changed. Um, then in the days uh, preceding the Civil War, um, we see that uh, the, the, the Democrat Party had kind of already been around for a little while. Um, the Republican Party was born um, in the 1850s as an anti-extension of slavery party. Um, so that was their main platform, is they did not want to extend slavery into the new territories that had recently been conquered. Um, and so those were you know, established at that point, and those are the same two parties that we have today. Now their platforms, again, obviously um, changed and morphed over time. Um, during the Gilded Age and into the 1800s, they looked very similar in a lot of ways, um, except for that issue of um, slavery and then, of course, segregation later on. So as we get into the 1900s and move into the 1930s, um, America was hit with this massively horrible uh, decade known as the Great Depression. Um, and things were just so bad uh, that um, America, you know, we, we needed to change. We needed somebody to, to kind of take action. And so uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who was a Democrat, um, was elected to office and literally the entire country voted Democrat. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, because everybody wanted to change. Everyone wanted to see, um, wanted to be rescued essentially from this horrific thing that was happening. Um, and so everyone kind of swung that direction. And then as we uh, moved into World War II and then out of World War II into the Cold War, again, uh, parties looking very similar. Um, during the 1960s, we see Lyndon Bain Johnson, again, another Democrat, is elected um, and established a domestic program called the Great Society, um, in which he instituted a lot of programs that were aimed at helping the poor and the disenfranchised, um, programs like Medicare and Medicaid and, and, and things like this um, to, to help those in need. Um, and so that kind of got started in the 60s. And then in the, the early 70s, there was a pretty watershed moment in American politics, I would say, and that was the Supreme Court decision of uh, Roe v. Wade, which, uh, for those of you who, who don't know, it legalized abortion in the United States nationally. And so that became a very divisive issue and still is a very divisive issue. Um, and, and that, I think if I had to put my finger on it, that kind of marked the point where the evangelical church as a whole started getting very vocal about politics, led by um, the Reverend Jerry Falwell. If you've heard his name, he came out and said, we are the moral majority. And um, a lot of evangelical Christians just very openly aligned themselves with the Republican Party. Um, and then from then on, the, <laughs> they just continued to get farther and farther apart. Um, and politics became more and more divisive and more and more partisan. Um, and it's still incredibly divisive um, in our country today and also within the church um, when it comes to politics. Yeah. So. Well, I think, Katie, you've proven who's the smartest one in the relationship. <laughs> I know you were all thinking it. I just felt like I should say it. So yeah, I think that there was a couple of really golden things that you could kind of pull out from what, what you just said and kind of, kind of summarize and just, just kind of share a couple of takeaways from that. Yeah, I think uh, the, the point of sharing all that um, is to say that there's been times when Democrats and Republicans have been very similar. Um, there's been times that they've been very different. 
They have both stood for good and bad things at different points in history. Um, the Democrats, I think one of the, the great things about that party is they do establish themselves as a party that cares for the poor and the disenfranchised, and they actively work um, to, to help address those issues. Um, I think the Republican Party stands for you know the, the, the rights of the unborn, um, obviously standing against slavery and segregation, so these are both good things. Um, so I think that that kind of leads us to this, this big idea that we have for the night, which is that no politician or political party will save us, and our only hope is Jesus Christ. Um, and that's really it, guys. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, God, God is not a Republican or a Democrat. Um, he does not endorse a political party. Um, and I think that we have to Some remember- Some people are really bummed right now. <laughs> Um, I think we, it's really important to remember that um, there's never going to be one political party that fully encompasses um, biblical principles or our stance as believers because political parties are complicated and messed up and there's, you know, people are in them, so they're always going to be messed up, right? Um, and so I think it's, it's just really important to know that political parties and political affiliation has the the uh, the ability to tear the church apart, um, essentially, because we can become divided over things that ultimately are not going to last um, through eternity. Um, and so it's just it's so important to keep our focus on Christ and not politics. Yeah. In the end. So good. That's so good. I love that you shared that because I think that like the way things are today, I think it's really easy for us to almost kind of think that like when the two political parties were established, like Satan himself started one of them. And then like Jesus Christ himself came down from heaven and started the other. And I think like really what you're saying is like, that's not true. And that there were times when they were close, there were times when they were apart, they were apart and things like that. But uh, it, obviously this is such a key point to write down and to think about. But one other thing that I just wanna throw out there is don't win a political debate and lose a chance to speak about Jesus. Like, it, it, I, I just look at myself and as an example, and like, I'm a pastor, and I, I don't view my role as to tell you who to vote for. Because ultimately, like, A, I'm not allowed to do that as a pastor. But, but B, like, I'm not trying to like set my, uh, plant my flag or kind of like draw the line at that point. Where I want to really communicate and where I want to bring hope is saying that I believe that Jesus Christ is literally our only hope. And so, man, it's so important for us to realize that and, and just, to, just to understand, like, I will talk about issues and I'll talk about topics, especially as they relate to the Bible. Many political issues are also spiritual issues, and so we can talk about them. But it's really important for all of us to realize that, that we can win a debate but lose an opportunity to share, or we can make a great political point, but then alienate. And that's not our heart, and that's not our goal as believers. All right, so we're gonna move to this uh, third thought, because we've talked about scripture and politics. We've talked about kind of a history of US politics. And by the way, give it up for Katie for like explaining US history in like five minutes. That's huge. All right, um, let's kind of talk about our common beliefs as Christians within politics. Yeah, so in, in preparation for this teaching, um, I, I read a book called The Five Views on the Church and Politics, and it's 
it's written by a whole bunch of different authors because it's kind of a, a conglomeration of um, people from different church traditions, different backgrounds that have written pieces on, on political issues and kind of just to get a sense of like where does Christendom stand on all these like political issues. Um, and so in that book, it outlines uh, some, some themes that Christians uh, across the, the years have kind of come together on and said like these are four things that we really agree with <laughs> all of us. Um, and I think those are important to mention. So yeah, let's hit the first one. Babe. Yeah. So the first one is the hope and mission of the church is the gospel. And we already talked about this a little bit, but I think it's really important for us to just camp out on it for a second and just understand that the hope and mission of the church is ultimately the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. We should all rally around that. I mean, that's something that I think everybody across the aisle, like if you believe in Jesus, like this is something you can get behind. Yeah, and, and one of my favorite scriptures kind of on this topic or on this idea is Acts chapter 1, verse 6. And uh, if you could look it up, look at it on the screen, check it out. It says, when they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, at this time, Jesus had died, he had risen again, and he was literally about to go back to heaven. And the disciples come to him and they ask him, like, is it time? Are you going to overthrow Rome? Are you going to make this political move and establish your kingdom? So the disciples, even after having been with Jesus forever, for, for the last three years, and seen him die, see him rise again, they're still interested in a political overthrow. And look at Jesus' response. He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the season that the Father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, you don't need to know when God is going to establish his kingdom here on earth. But look what he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the disciples wanted a political overthrow and Jesus said, preach the gospel. And it is always going to be the temptation of believers to believe that, man, if we could just get the right people in power, everything would change. But Jesus said that's not true because he was looking at it from an internal perspective, not a temporary perspective. And really the only thing that has the power to actually change someone at the soul level is Jesus. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some brownie points with my wife and use a history example here. But in the 1920s, they had something called prohibition where they prohibited the sale of alcohol. It was illegal to, to sell alcohol. Did alcoholism stop? No. It had no power to control. the. You can't legislate morality. At that time, you know, uh, there was moonshiners that popped up everywhere. There were these speakeasies that developed where people used passwords to get into bars. There was gangsters that rose up and oversaw the, over, the sell of alcohol. And so alcoholism still happened. And you couldn't legislate us becoming better people. And so Jesus knows the only thing that truly has the power to change a human heart is the gospel. It's good. It's good. Um, so then the, the second one that we kind of wanted to throw out here is all Christian traditions agree that governments have a role in the world to protect people and punish evil. Um, this is 
the the role of the government. So government did not just kind of like evolve out of necessity. Um, this was an institution that was inaugurated by God for a specific purpose um, and, and for an important purpose. Um, and so I, I want to look at a scripture, Romans 13. It's up on the screen for you. Um, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who will resist will incur judgment. Um, So this is a heavy responsibility, right? The way the government is supposed to function is it is supposed to protect the innocent and punish evil. Um, And this is a God-ordained mission. Now, this doesn't mean that everything the government does is correct or that every person that is in power is good. Um, We know this, right? Humans have free will. Humans are imperfect and power corrupts. And we've seen this time again throughout history. Um, But what we are saying is the institution of government itself was set up for a godly purpose. And all Christians generally agree with that idea. Yeah, that's so good. So we've talked about the fact that really Christians believe, all Christians believe the hope is in the gospel, that government in and of itself is a good thing. Here's number three, that all Christian traditions believe that both the government and the church should work for the flourishing of humanity. Right. So if government is working as God intended it to, it should promote the common good of people. So let's go back to Romans for a second, right where we were before. Verses three through four say, um, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid for he does not bear the sword in vain for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So um, it's the government's job to protect humanity, but it's not just the government's job. It is also our call as the church um, as well. And the gospel leads us to love and serve uh, humanity in many different ways. Um, So for Christians in the U.S., uh, this can look like a lot of things, but it also looks like using your political voice through voting. Um, Big believer in that. You should vote. Um, so an, another scripture for us, uh, in Jeremiah 29, 7, um, the, the people of Israel are, are being exiled to a foreign land, and um, that God is telling them this, and he says, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Yeah, that's so good. And uh, earlier d- during uh, our leaders' meeting, uh, Charlie prayed, and he prayed that as exiles that we would understand our role. And, and I was thinking about that, and I was like, that's so good. And, and really, that's what it is. We are exiles, but as exiles, we are called to seek the good of the city where God has called us to be. And right now, God has called us all to be on the Space Coast. And so this is why, as a church, um, we support, uh, we, we feed hungry students. It's why we partner with nonprofits on Day of Compassion. It's why we support Crisis Pregnancy Center and why we support Nana's House, which is, looks out for, uh, for abused and neglected kids. The reason is because we desire not just the government, but we desire to support the good of the city. And so um, th- there have been times in history, though, where uh, the church and, and Christian, or the government and Christianity haven't always aligned, and sometimes Christians almost actually have to go a bit against the, the stream of, of how the government is leading. Isn't that correct? 
Yeah, I mean, there's there's many instances throughout history where we see this happen. Um, I think one of the most well known uh, would be, you know, in in 1850 in America, um, there was a law that was passed called the Compromise of 1850, in which um, a fugitive slave law was enacted, which stated that by law, people in the North, if they were to come across an escaped slave, were supposed to return that person to their owner. Um, and so this put people in a, a situation where they had to choose, do I do what is right? Do I do what God has, has told me? Or do I obey the law of the land? And many of them, doing the right thing, right, chose to obey God's law above the law of the land and instituted um, the Underground Railroad, which became um, this massive organization um, of people who who did go against the law of the land um, during that time. And so there are times when that is the case, um, but only when those those biblical values and uh, the laws conflict. Yeah, that's so good. The last thing that we can all agree on throughout history as Christians is that freedom in a civil society is a good thing. Freedom in a civil society is a good thing. Do you wanna explain a little bit about that? Yeah, so freedom, um, as Christians, obviously we, we believe in biblical truths, right? And that, that's very true and very important. Um, but we also believe that all humans are made in the image of God and that there are certain uh, human rights uh, that each human uh, should have and that we should respect and love every single person. Um, so those freedoms we, we want to fight to protect. Um, in Mark 12, it said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Very well-known verse, um, but we, we want to live that out, right? We want to love everyone um, and we want to promote a society that allows freedom for everyone. Um, so for example, um, as Christians, we uh, very much, you know, have a different belief system than those of the Muslim faith. Um, they have a different God. They have a different moral code that they ascribe to. Um, and as Christians, we would disagree. However, um, we still believe that they uh, should be protected, that they should have freedom, um, and that we should love them um, as human beings that are made in the image of God. Now, we also want them to come to know Jesus, right? We also want um, them to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, but um, we, we also want to protect uh, the freedoms that they should have. Yeah, that's so good. So Katie, earlier tonight, you kind of mentioned that there was like two extremes, kind of the, maybe the person who feels like, I don't want to know anything, just like, let me love Jesus and, and just, you know, act like nothing else exists. And then maybe the person who uh, is really, really excited about politics and just goes maybe above and beyond. I think tonight for those who, you know, no offense, but you know, like maybe for those who would say, quote unquote, have their like head in the sand or something like that, or just don't want to know. Hopefully that, that individual tonight has been informed and has kind of just gotten to know a little bit more about what's going on and how God wants their role to be. But I can imagine that a person who um, is really excited about getting involved and you know, making a change and making a difference maybe is feeling like a little bit frustrated right now that we're like, just don't worry about it. Trust Jesus. You know, he's our only hope. Don't worry about government. And maybe that person's like, yo, like, give me something to do here because I want to do something. So what would you say to that person? Yeah, well, first of all, I am that person. So I definitely like sympathize with that, right? Remember, I, I really am into politics. Um, so I, I just have a couple things that I feel like have, have helped me um, kind of 
attempt to, to balance this. Um, but the, the first and most important thing that we can do is pray. And um, it sounds cliche, but it, it's true. I mean, ultimately, like we said, it's, it's going to be the gospel that changes hearts. And as hearts change, communities change, and nations change, and the world changes. So the, the first thing we need to be doing is, is praying. We need to be praying for our officials. We need to be praying for each other. We need to be praying for our communities. Um, super important. Um, the second thing is be informed, right? Um, you don't want to become obsessed with it, but like read the news, um, you know, watch YouTube videos, uh, listen to podcasts and don't just do stuff that you agree with, right? Like listen to outlets that you disagree with, right? L read articles from news sources that you think is bizarre, right? Like, like read stuff so that you can get a wider perspective um, and hopefully grow some empathy. I, I especially think it's, it's good to, to listen to Christians um, that maybe fall on the other side of the aisle as you, um, to get a sense for why that is, right? And why they believe what they believe and, and, and learn to, to, to have that empathy. Now you can still disagree and that's fine, but I think as we try to understand each other, um, it's going to help quite a bit. Um, so yeah, be informed. Um, the third way is look for constructive ways to interact with political ideas. So I remember at the, the last election, um, there was a group of people from the harbor that I know got together and had breakfast and they pulled out like all the candidates that were running and like all of their platforms and they discussed like all the different uh, issues and, and they kind of, you know, had this had this discussion over breakfast in a very like chill, respectful way. Um, and it helped them figure out like what they believed in, what they wanted to vote for. Um, and I think that's awesome, right? I think we should do things like that, um, which obviously also leads to you should vote, <laughs> like you really should. Um, voting is is this immense privilege that we have um, that was fought for and paid for by the blood of over a million Americans um, over the course of American history, and um, it's 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 extremely important that we don't take that for granted. Um, and so I, I think I think we need we need to exercise that right um, as believers in this society. And then finally, um, I would say work for the good of the city at the ground level. Um, find a cause locally and get involved. Um, I think something that our generation <laughs> can be very guilty of um, is, is like, I don't know, I, I hate to use the term, but like, you know, armchair activists a little bit. Like we sit and like rant and rave on like social media and stuff, but like, what are we actually doing? Um, you know, and I think, I think we need to like do something, right? If, if you're passionate about something, like get involved, like, like do something about it, right? So there's, there's so many different ways you can do that. If you care about the pro-life issue, like go serve at a crisis pregnancy center or like a pro-life organization. Um, if you care about the homeless, go serve the homeless. If you care about um, mentoring the next generation, if you care about um, equality and, and uh, upward mobility, right, and all these things, like go mentor a kid. Like we have a, an after-school ministry here that serves at risk, like middle schoolers, high schoolers, you know, go be a big brother or a big sister to these kids, you know, that's how we're going to change communities. That's how we're going to change um, things practically. So I think, you know, just get involved, find something and go for it. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so good. And, and man, as, as a leader of the church, like that's really where I get fired up. 
because I don't just want us to talk about things. And obviously from the platform, like we do speak about issues, but I also want us to be involved. So we don't just want to like talk about how racism is evil, but we actually want to create an environment in a church where all races are welcomed and where they're honored and they're empowered to walk out their God-given gifts. Like we don't want to just talk about the value of life, but we want to promote organizations that help with adoption, with foster care. And we want to teach young men and women about the value of life and the value of their sexuality as they walk it out in God's plan. So this is the idea that not only are we just speaking about it, which is important to, to share the truth and to learn the truth of the Bible, but also we as the church are actually going out into the community and being the church as salt and light in the world. Amen. Awesome. So Katie, as we wrap up tonight, any last thoughts that you want to share? Yeah, just on that idea of unity. Um, I think when we look at Jesus and when, when he was calling his disciples, he called people from all different social groups, right? Um, we have uh, Simon the Zealot, and the Zealots were literally a group of people that went around like killing Romans in the darkness of night. Um, and then he called Matthew, who was a tax collector, who was a Jewish person who was working for Rome and was seen as, as kind of a sellout, you know, <laughs> to, to his people. Um, so you have very different people there. Um, he also talked to the Samaritan woman, who was incredibly hated. Um, Mary Magdalene, who was a woman with a past, which, you know, we don't know exactly what that means, but we, we know she probably was not um, someone that was accepted in society. Um, and so he, he just called all these people that, that were very different. Um, and then ultimately, you know, establishing the church, we have Jews and Gentiles coming together. And so that just shows that, like, God brought all these groups together under a new identity. And that identity was in him. Um, and that's what we want to focus on, right? So as we as we navigate through uh, 2020 and, and politics in general, um, we just we, we want to know that we're going to disagree. We may disagree on how to achieve those goals that were outlined earlier. Um, but ultimately, as followers of Jesus, our identity is not as a Republican. Our identity is not as a Democrat, as a millennial, as a whatever. Our identity is that we are sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. And that is that the earth sons and daughters of God. And that is what our identity is in. That's so good. Amen. There's a great verse uh, from John chapter 17, verse 23, that kind of wraps this thing up. And it says, uh, Jesus is praying and he says, I am in them and you are in me. And he's praying to God and he says, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love me as much you love them as much as you love me. And literally Jesus says that as we are unified together, that is the greatest way that we can demonstrate to the world that we follow God. That as we walk in unity, we are guaranteed that the world will look at us and say, God is real and they are following after him. So I'm gonna invite um, Peyton to come up and just wrap up tonight with uh, one last worship song. But Katie, I would just wanna ask you as, as, as we close out tonight, would you just mind praying over uh, this group, but also just praying over our country and over the leaders of, of our nation? Father God, Lord, um, we just come before you right now and uh, Lord, we know that this is messy and difficult. And uh, we know that you have called us to be salt and light. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we move forward this year, that you would just 
that you would just help us to remember our identity um, and that as we discuss the issues and as we are informed, as we do get involved, as we do use our political voice, Lord, that we would always remember that first and foremost, that we belong to you and that as the church, we want to remain unified, Lord, so that we can witness to those around us about who you are. Um, so God, I just pray for our country. I pray for um, each person in this room. Um, I just pray that you would give wisdom to our officials. I pray that you would just bring um, just supernatural, just, just peace and, and, and find some way to, to bring us together um, instead of tearing apart. And so Lord, I just, I thank you that you are a God of miracles and that nothing is impossible for you. So I just pray that you would be uh, with us as we walk this journey and, and just help us as we go. And Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, give it up for my beautiful wife, Katie. Six months pregnant and just crushing it. Hey, so I want to invite you guys to stand up. And uh, as we wrap up tonight, I want to let you know, obviously, um, this is a bit of a different night. But man, if you want to know more about what it is to have a relationship with Jesus, there will be people over at the Connect Bar afterwards that would love to talk with you. But for now, let's close out our time just reminding ourselves that our only hope is the gospel. Let's sing to Jesus, the King of Kings. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Harbor, please follow us on Instagram at wearetheharbor. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time. <laughs>